I'm going to pray, but I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit will come to us this morning in a very special way. Yes, God has the Holy Spirit. He's, he's um, purposed himself in the world by the power of his Spirit. Um, we don't see Spirit, but it doesn't mean say all the attributes of God are not available and present, and we do not, we're not devoid of a power from God. And even in, even in this year, 2013, this world is not devoid of the power of God if we know where it is and know how it comes and through whom it comes. As Grizzis can ask, and if, if you want to join me in this, you'd like to stand. If you don't understand it, you just don't know, or just, you know, you just want to leave it, that's fine. But if you want to join me in just praying and asking for the Holy Spirit this morning, might you like to stand? It's a free thing, it's a free choice. It's not about me, it's about God and his Spirit. Friends, we're in the presence of God. Not because we're in this building. Not because we're in Herne Bay. Not because we're special in that sense. But Lord, we're in your presence because this is the place where your word is open, the Bible. And your truth is exposed for what it is, truth. And Lord, we know that your Holy Spirit is the one who can work with us today and bring us what we need. It might be comfort, it might be strength, it might be understanding, it might be just an extra step on the journey to knowing you. But we pray for that. Come by your spirit, by your power. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Okay. Well, the title of my message this morning is Only Fools and Horses. Now, you will probably know um, of the TV program, Fool. You're nodding, Sarah. Is it one of your favourites? Well, this couple, especially the one, the Dell boy. Um, we've got a Dell boy, haven't we? Yes. <laughs> we've got a Dell boy, yeah. Strangely attracted to these two, but we want to, wouldn't want to be one of them. Um, if we really think about it, we wouldn't want to be one of them. And I said to Margaret the other night, I said, what do you think, the, uh, the creator of the programme, why he gave it that title, Only Fools and Horses? And Margaret's reply was, well, they seem to be a bit foolish in the things that they do, is right, and um, probably they were chancers. Because, you know, they, the betting horse is a bit of a chance game, isn't it? Like something like that. But in actual fact, it was, it, it, that's, it's near the point. And so I thought, well, I'll look it up and see if they did have in mind what it really meant. And I, I, sort of, I, didn't, I didn't write it down here. The title comes from the Cockney saying, Only Fools and Horses Work. And is also included in the theme tune. It was previously used by writer John Sullivan as the title of an episode of his earlier London set comedy, Citizen Smith. It sums up the subject matter of this comedy series, which features the scams and dodges of shady entrepreneur Derek. (laughs) Del Boy. Trotter and his inept younger brother Rodney played by David Jason and Nicholas Lindhurst. The pair first appeared in 1981, and for many, their series summed up the ethos of Thatcher's Britain. Dell, with his pretentious taste, favourite drink, grand and grapefruit juice. 
And belief in the power of money is a parody of the yuppie generation. He flaunts his non-existent wealth at every opportunity. Sorry, wanted on the mobile is a frequent aside as he flourishes an early mobile phone. In one episode, a miracle is created when a statue of the Virgin Mary is apparently weeping in the local church. Much fundraising later, it emerges that the tears are in fact caused by Dell's theft of the lead from the church roof. <laughs> That's sort of only, only fools and wisdom. Let's have read a verse to you in Proverbs 13, verse 20. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. A companion of fools suffers harm. And there were many who suffered harm at the hands of Del Boy. Now, wisdom is a funny thing to think about, but it it comes to us in different ways. It could be the old um, man sitting in the chair that you go for for advice in life. What should I do in this situation? He may have wise words for you. He may have uh, an example of how he's been helped in his life. It could be that. It could be to do with money matters. And you say, well, I want to spend my money wisely. You know, and you might go to some person who could advise you on money. And so in practical things, uh, you know, we need to know what is the right thing to do. Um, it might be in almost in any area of life. Biblical wisdom sees things slightly different, but it includes intelligent answers and proper decisions and things like that. And I just want to read to you um, an introduction I found um, to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is a collection of moral and religious teachings in the form of sayings and proverbs. Much of it has to do with practical, everyday concerns. It begins with the reminder that to have knowledge, you must first have reverence for the Lord. Ben brought us that last week, didn't he? And then goes on to deal with matters not only of religious morality, but also of common sense and good manners, In many short sayings reveal the insights of ancient Israelite teachers about what a wise person will do in certain situations. Some of these concern family relations, others business dealings, some deal with matters of etiquette in social relationships, and others with the need for self-control. Much is said about such qualities as humility, patience, respect for the poor, and loyalty to friends. But really, as the book opens, it is in praise of wisdom. That's really the theme, the genre of Proverbs. It's in praise of wisdom. And so we need to be ask ourselves, well, what is it to be wise? And what is the wisdom that God intends us to know and understand? There's two things that that verse tells us as we read it, and I'll read it again. Walk with the wise, and you will become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. There are two things in this sentence, in this verse, and that is the power of association, and and it is examine who is influencing you 
who or even what is influencing your life or has. I'll come back to the power of association later, but I think at all times, in all situations, we need to examine who is influencing our life. What has the greatest effect on my life? And maybe you could ask that question while you're sitting in your chair. What or who has influenced me most in my life? Now take it aside from the Bible or Christian thinking and say, what has been the greatest? Because it says, examine what is the influence on your life. It could be a mum or a dad and it could be a bad or a good influence. But as we examine, we find there are all sorts of influences that come to us. The verse says, walk with the wise and you will become wise. And the companions of fools suffers harm. I suppose in more recent years, the Beatles have had a tremendous influence of morality in our world. Is that godly wisdom? Darwin and his theory has had a very big influence on our world and is getting stronger every day. Influences in our world. And a new slant, gaming devices, are becoming an issue for children. Time spent on them. Actions from kids, violence, the schools are saying, kids are coming to school with violence. Attitudes, reactions, effect on schoolwork are all having an influence on children today. And so we need to examine influences because it says a companion of fools will suffer harm. So the Bible is putting wisdom and foolishness or folly alongside each other and telling us to think about these things. Walk with the wise and a companion of fools suffers harm. I have a problem myself, a personal problem, and it's my mum and dad brought me up not to become too friendly with people, especially with girls as I got older. The wrong girls. Now she, she, used to get, she, she probably knew what was in me, really, you know, what a terror I was. And she said, don't get too friendly. You know, I don't know if any other parent did that. But it was out of a good sense. You know, don't be foolish, my son. Don't go down the wrong road. But I have a problem with that today because it's still stuck in my gut. And I find it difficult to get friendly with people. So it's a bit of a good and a bad influence there. I find it very difficult to go and make friends, you know, because my mum said, don't get too close. Now, there was a rightness in that, but also a difficulty. But she did it out of wisdom, you know. But I think it's a good thing to remember as you bring up kids, you know. Although I wouldn't recommend that you actually say that to your children. Associations associations, you know, the power 
of associations and have a bad influence or a good influence on our life. The Bible tells us about a man called Enoch, and there's not, we don't read much about him, but we read this, the Bible tells us this, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. <laughs> Would you like to be like that? Enoch walked with God, and God took him. But that's probably the strongest example we have in the Bible of a man who wanted to do the best and wisest thing in his life, and that was to walk with God. We can be Christians, but we're not necessarily walking with God. When we become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's a call to walk with God. Jesus had disciples, and he didn't call them and say, believe in me. He chose them to walk with him and to be with him. And so... One of my appeals to us this morning is for a closer walk with God and a stronger attachment to the Bible, the Word of God. Because in a moment I'm going to use a passage in the New Testament to uh, help us where we're going this morning. Wisdom and folly. The Bible also says, can two walk together unless they be agreed? Can two walk together unless they be agreed? Now, there's a sense of great wisdom in that. The wisdom comes into marriage. It will come into business partnerships. It will come to any sort of relationship you might think of, friendship. The strongest and wisest way is that you have an agreement with the other party or the other person. That is especially so in marriage. Because sometimes the people that the young Christian people I know run off the fingers of my hand that have chosen to marry someone who they're not in agreement with. A Christian and a non Christian is not in agreement. Sometimes it's not always a Christian and a Christian. A Christian and a Christian might be good, but sometimes we need to know what God wants for us and who is the right choice. I can't stay here this morning, you know, you need to plead with God to tell you who's the right person. But you see, the Bible, if we want to get hold of it, will actually give us guidance in light to make right choices. And we'll come to that just a little bit later. So the power of association, which we will look at in a minute. We've examined who's influencing us. And we need to continue to think about that each day. Who has an influence on my life? And is it right? And is it good? Walk with the wise, and you will become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. There are three preachers in a boat... They decided to go out fishing, and it sometimes happens amongst Christians. They decided to be open with one another, and um, so 
you know, said, what, what do you have a problem with? I have a problem with alcohol, he says. He said, I, when I, once I get the red wine out, he said, I can't stop till the bottle's gone. And then I might even go and get another bottle. Hmm, yeah, so, so what's your problem then? So uh, the other said, well, mine's lust. I see a woman, I want to jump on her. He said, I just, but I just, you know, it's a, it's a real problem. So they said to the third man, well, you're so interested in having this open uh, discussion. He said, what's your problem? He said, mine's gossip, and I can't wait to get ashore, he said. There's a difference between wisdom and folly here, you know, in that story. You know, being wise, you know, and being careful. So we're looking at this. I just want to pick out a few single Bible verses to demonstrate where we're going here in the genre of wisdom and folly. God would see things as foolish. And David would say, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. From God's perspective, it's where wisdom changes to folly. As we say, there's no God. With all the evidence we have of who God is, to say there's no God, as far as David was concerned, I think. And he would be thinking God's way, I'm sure. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So if we mix with people who are continually saying, there's no God, I don't believe in God, that can influence us. And I don't need, mean to denigrate universities and education and understanding and that. But one of the greatest things that's actually taken people away from God is education. The Bible says knowledge will increase throughout the earth, but not wisdom, as God sees it. There's a lady here in Herne Bay who we've just begun to got to know. Her mother was a Methodist and prayed for her. And um, she went away to teach a training college. And she came back and she told her mum, I don't believe in God anymore. And the mother was so upset. Margaret's now in contact with her. She wants to know where she went wrong. I know lots of young Christians who've gone to university and college as a Christian, as a strong Christian, if you like, and come back and they've laid it all down and said, I don't believe in it anymore. That doesn't mean to say we should be against colleges and universities and all that. But the problem is, as in America, if you believe in creation, you're not allowed to be a professor or teacher in a college. It's the way of world. Which brings me to another verse, isolated verse. It's found in 1 Corinthians, I think it's verse 19, where it says, The world, in its wisdom, knows not God. The world, in its wisdom, knows not God. There's another verse, probably the last isolated verse here. 
It says this, can man by wisdom or searching find out God? And the answer is no. And the answer is no. And I'll come to that just a little bit later. Yes, we need intelligence. Yes, we need understanding. But there are a lot of people out there, some I've spoken to, I've been looking into it, and this doesn't match up with that, and I've tried to put this and that together, but still I can't get it. Still I can't understand. It still doesn't mean anything to me. And you may be here this morning, and you may be amongst us, and you say, I'm... These guys are all excited. They're enjoying being here, but I don't get it. What's it all about? There may be that sense of loss in you. You want to be there, but you're here and you can't get there. Do you know that feeling? The world in its wisdom knows not God. Can man by wisdom find out God? By searching There is a yes to that, but the general perception and understanding is God's not found by searching for him through knowledge of worldly wisdom. He is found by a searching from the heart. A searching from the heart where it says, I need you. Not I want to find you and I'm going to do what I can to find you. The Bible tells us, um, you know, that we, we can't make our own way to God. And it's not easy to understand this concept. But because this God is spirit, and he knows people, and he knows who they are, and he knows all about them, if you in your heart have a genuine desire to make a step towards God, he then moves a step. Right? So he moves a step, then you move a step. You say, it's becoming clearer now, and so God moves another step until the two meet, until you meet God. A closer walk with God can only be had when we come to know him. And the only way we can come to know God is through Jesus. A woman once said to me, in a group of children we had, she said, my my, my." My children can't understand God, but they can understand Jesus. That's in its simplicity. Because Jesus is the one who reveals our marvellous and wonderful God to us. We're singing about God in personal and friendly ways this morning, and that's how it should be. Because when we know God, it's like knowing a true father. You know? knowing who it is who loves us so much. We sing a song, uh, not so often now, but we used to sing about Jesus. You have become for us wisdom. You have become for us righteousness. And that's true. So at this point, I want us to turn. We've examined influences. I just want to look at the power of association. And uh, let's turn to Luke 24. And verse 13. I know lots of us here love this passage. And it is wonderful. 
to set the scene. Jesus had been crucified, and the passage will tell us that um, he was ca- he, it was actually the Jewish religious system that crucified him, that took him to the cross. But there were two things. The Jewish religious system crucified Jesus to put, a, put him down, to get, a, get rid of him out of sight. But God had another purpose because it was actually God's plan that he should be crucified and suffered for the sin of the whole world and to deal with our sins and to bring us into a relationship with God. So Jesus was crucified for that reason. They had another reason. So Jesus had been crucified. He'd actually been put in the tomb. And on the third day, he had risen again from the dead. Easter's coming up. I'm looking forward to it because we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That means he came alive again. And the Bible tells us not only he became alive, but he was seen by lots of people. And he cooked his disciples a meal on the beach. And um, he did other things as well. But in this story, which we're going to read together, Jesus is in the process of getting wanderers back to himself. So let's read the story, shall we? Uh, Luke 24 and verse 13. Now, the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened, that is the crucifixion and the resurrection, and they couldn't understand it. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. The walk, you know, we read in Proverbs, you know, they that walk, you know, walk with uh, the wise and you will become wise. This is turned around the other way just for a moment, okay? But wisdom was walking with two people. Yeah? Who were at a loss and a difficulty to understand things as they were. So he walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Kept from recognizing him. Here's Jesus talking and walking, someone they'd been with. They didn't recognize him. They were kept from seeing him. Amazing, isn't it? He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, and their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you the only one living in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked, (laughs) as if he didn't know. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. You notice they related to him in the past tense? He was. He was with them, but they related about him in the past tense. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb earlier this morning, but they didn't find his body. 
They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And that's going to be my main thought in a moment when I've looked at one or two other things. Why, when he was standing in the presence of these two, did he not reveal himself? Look, I'm he. This is what happened. But a very strange and wonderful thing happened. He wanted the scriptures, the Bible, to be the point of revelation to them of who he was. Which underlines for us this morning the power and the wonder of this book we're looking at this morning. If you want a closer walk with God, you need to walk with wisdom. This book is wisdom. It's almost as if Jesus is the same as this book. In a funny sort of way. You know? Jesus is not here in person, but all the power of God and the wisdom of God and the understanding of God is bound up in this book. Jesus said... What we said now, but he said, In the volume of the book, it is written of me. The volume, the book's tied together, it is written of me. Search the scriptures, the Bible says, search them. Jesus stood up on one occasion, he took the, the scroll, as it were, the, uh, the revealed truth that the Jews had. And he read a passage from the Old Testament, and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach to the poor. And he said, Today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your ears. The book is going to be the means of a closer walk with God. Walk with the wise, and you will become wise. So I'm saying here this morning, walk with the word of God. Jesus is not here. But Jesus, on that occasion, he actually took an attention away from himself in a personal way and put it entirely in the book. The book is going to be the answer. The book is going to reveal Jesus to you. Now, you just look at the state of these two on the road together. Face was downcast. Right in the beginning of the Bible, it tells us about Cain and Abel. And it tells us that when he'd murdered his brother, God came to him and he says, Why is your face downcast? Why is your face downcast? He saw there was an emotional problem within him because he'd, he'd done something which God didn't like. Now, I'm not saying that they're doing something that God didn't like here, but it affected him. These two, it affected them that they couldn't understand what was happening. Earlier, I referred to the point that you can be here in a situation, a group situation, and you can not be understanding 
what's happening. Some people don't understand worship. That's not a complaint. It's not a judgment. It's actually because we need to walk with the wise. We need to walk with wisdom. We're not walking with the word of God and the power of truth that it has for each one of us. It can have an effect on us. That's what I'm saying. You can be in a group of people and it can be affecting you. It's an emotional difference. But you want to be there. Their face was downcast. Another time down here, when they were talking to Jesus, said, we had hoped, we had hoped, disillusioned with the experience of their life, how Jesus had called them, and, and they become disciples, and it had all seemed to have fallen apart, and they had become disillusioned with where they were. And that's, you know, sometimes we feel disillusioned about the whole Christian concept. Disillusioned about, I don't get it, I don't understand it. And it affects us, the situation. But in a situation like this, Jesus drew near. I love this passage because here's the love of God with wisdom. He doesn't berate them. Jesus went, drew near and went with them. He didn't pounce on them. He went and he drew near. And what was he doing? He was drawing them back to the truth of where they, where they were, to bring them back to Jerusalem and to the, the center of what was going on. So the heart of God was to bring them back, and so he went after them. And this morning, the love of God is known because God's after you. Every one of you, because of his love. But he does it in wisdom. He doesn't do it to pounce on us. He's there to draw us with love. It was the love of Jesus for these two that made him go after them. And that's why we're here this morning. The love of God's after you. (laughs) Because he has great and wonderful things for us. So the way that Jesus dealt with these two demonstrated the love of God exercised with wisdom. He draws us, not drags us screaming. For us here today in his wisdom, God owns our choice because it was he who created us with an intelligent free will. He draws us. God owns our choice. When we, each of us stand before God... And the decision that is made, you know, it'll be on our decision. There'll be no mistakes made on that day. Each of us has a free choice, you know. is to walk with the wise. That's to walk with God. And for a closer walk with him. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts, says the Lord. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. That's in Ephesians. Another thing, they were unable to debate themselves back to Jerusalem. 
It, we read about them, they were talking and discussing what happened, but they were still going away from Jerusalem. You know, sometimes dis- debate and discussion actually creates confusion. I think you found that in cell groups sometimes. You know, you want to debate something and discuss it. It actually drives you to confusion sometimes. And Bible studies and all sorts of things like that, you know. But it doesn't mean to say that we shouldn't do it. It's just what happens sometimes. But if we're seeking God and seeking God with all our heart, that verse will be as powerful to you as it was to the people. He explained to them what was said in all the scriptures, and this is important, concerning himself. You know, the, word, the two words together concerning himself crop up time and time and time again in the Bible. Isn't it wonderful? You know, that, to me it just seems so remarkable that it's about himself, you know? And our relationship with God is about himself, you know? God himself comes to us in the person of Jesus. And that's so wonderful. In verse 31 it says, Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. (laughs) Just like that. But what they were left with was the scriptures. Now the scriptures here is referring to the Old Testament book. In the Bible, we have the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the New Testament will tell us how people progressed with Jesus as they walked with wisdom. Jesus has become for us wisdom. He has become for us righteousness. And so the verse is true. Walk with the wise and you will become wise as God sees it. And if we want to walk with the wise, it's walking with Jesus. And that's a closer walk we can have with God. I want to appeal for a closer walk with God because it means you've got to take up this book. And that's the point that's the difficulty. Because for some of you, you can't understand it, and that's not your fault, it's not a judgment, it's not a complaint, but you're finding the understanding difficult. You read it and you say, I'm not getting anything out of this. You're reading it and you say, it's dry. It's dry. I can't understand it. There is a fight going on because in your natural state, you will avoid this book. But I want to challenge each one of us this morning to get back to it. People say, I've not got time to read it. That's a lie. If you watch television for half an hour, you've got time. If you watch it for a quarter of an hour, you've got time. If you watch it for five minutes, you've got time. If you actually drink two cups of tea, you've got time. But the whole point is, the whole point is, there is a power trying to get us away from this book. And if we want a closer walk with God... We need to go to the book. Now, here's the how-to. You say, well, how, how is it going to make a difference? There are three prayers you can pray. Three prayers you can pray. Like Peter, he prayed, Lord, I believe, 
help my unbelief. That's a sense that, Lord, I'm not in rebellion against you, but I don't really understand the concept of Jesus coming in here and what I need to do about it. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. You can't pray the prayer, Lord, I don't believe in you, but tell me. No, it doesn't work like that. It's, Lord, I'm not against you, but I'm really not there yet. Help my unbelief. That's the first prayer. The second prayer is this. Like David prayed, he said, Lord, open my eyes that I may see the wonderful things in your book, in your law, it says, but it means the scriptures, the New Testament, whatever, because the New Testament is totally tied into the Old Testament because it's the history of how the plan of God works out. So it's, Lord, open my eyes that I may see the wonderful things in your book. That owns a sense of need before God. It owns a sense of, Lord, I want to be there. I'm not understanding yet, but I want to be there. I want to walk the way of the wise. And I want to avoid the thing which is foolish in this life. And that is that I live in a world that does not believe in you. It's here. Jesus was with them, but he said, he said to them, in the scriptures, you will find me. You will find me. I used to be in the Gideons, and we used to give out the Bibles. And we had countless testimonies of people who just became Christians by reading the book. Just by reading it. Didn't have no coercion, nothing like that whatsoever. Because God doesn't believe in coercion. He believes in revelation. The person who's seeking for him and seeking him will find him. And he will find Jesus in the word. And I just feel I want to pray for any people who may be, you know, you feel disillusioned with the Bible and not getting there. Um, and maybe you're being affected emotionally because you're trying to get there and you can't just get in to that point of finding God. And so maybe we could just stand a moment. If you, if you just rec- want to recognize that need, you can come forward and uh, we'll pray for you. But uh, I just want to pray for a closer walk with God. Morning. Father, I want to ask you in your wonderful name, Lord. Lord, I know there are people struggling with the issue of being a Christian this morning and actually wanting to walk close with you. Maybe even sad at the situation and maybe downcast in their face. And we had hoped it was going to be better than this. And the Bible says in Proverbs, it actually is hope deferred makes the heart sick. And sometimes when we see others enjoying God and a closer walk with God, we feel sick. If you feel sick sometimes and, and sad and disillusioned with the fact that you want to be in the place 
of a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, but you can't seem to find it. Holy Spirit's just asking you to step forward that you can be prayed for. And to know, I just want to, I'd love to pray with someone who wants to know the power of God to open their eyes that they may behold wondrous things from the law of God. If you don't want to come forward now, you can come forward when I finished. But Father, I just pray this morning, help us to find, Lord, a closer walk with you. The hymn writer wrote, a closer walk with you. Jesus, let it be. Let it be. And let's pray, Father, for someone who feels their eyes are open this morning and are closed, Father, to the power in your word and all that it is. Lord, I pray for open eyes this morning. Lord, open my eyes that I may see the wonderful things in your word. Now let's ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.